This is Rhema for Today. Well, I said, Lord, that's why I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you, you see, just to find out what you want to do. He said, no, you're not waiting on me. I've been waiting on you for 10 years. You know, sometimes we think we're waiting on God, and really, He's waiting on us. He's waiting on us to make the consecration. He's waiting on us to make the dedication that He wants us to make. And you know, the Lord took me back to some things that He had said to me 10 years before and said, what are you going to do about that? Welcome to Rama for Today. Kenneth E. Hagan continues his teaching on how to increase your spiritual effectiveness. Next, on Rama for Today Radio. Also, later in today's program, I'll tell you about this month's special radio offer. Right now, let's join Kenneth E. Hagan for today's message. I know when I was a little boy, my mother and my grandmother told me that they didn't try to call me to preach. And certainly we shouldn't try to call anybody to preach. I know as a pastor, and I pastored another 12 years, I knew in my own spirit that God had his hand on certain individuals even in my own congregations, you see, calling them to the ministry or to preach. But I never did tell them that. I waited till they were convinced in their own spirit, and then I confirmed what they had. But I never told them till after they responded to that. I knew that in my own spirit about my own son, and my wife knew it, but neither one of us would ever say a word to him or even encourage him to, to get into the ministry or to follow that until after he made his own commitment, and then we confirmed what he had. We let him make that up in his own spirit and know in his own heart. Because like I said to him, now if you did something because I told you to do it, when you get out here and the going gets hard, and you know the crisis and the test and the trials of life comes to all of us. None of us are immune to it. But then you're going to say, well, maybe God didn't call me. I just did that because Dad said so. Then you're going to be ready to give up. But if you have that, own, that inward conviction and that inward assurance in your own spirit, you're going to be ready to fight the thing through. Praise God. And so my mother or grandmother didn't try to call me to the ministry. In fact, they didn't say much about it at all until after I had dedicated and consecrated myself to do the will of God. And then they said, well, we knew that always. I said, how did you know it? They said, well, because you always said that as a little bitty boy. See, further back than what I can remember, they said you'd always say, I'm going to be a preacher after you got old enough, you know, to talk clearly. But said when you were just a little tiny thing, couldn't even talk plain. Somebody had asked my oldest brother, what are you going to be when you grow up? Well, he had high ambitions. He's either going to be a cowboy or uh, a truck driver. So he made a little bit of both of them. He wears cowboy boots and drives a truck. And so, <laughs> and so he'd tell them, you see, he's going to be a cowboy. That was his first choice, you know. But, and second was to be a truck driver. And they wouldn't ask me because they, you know, they thought I was too little to know. And Mama and Grandma said that I'd always speak up and say, I'm a preacher. I was trying to say I'm going to be a preacher, you see. Uh, I don't even remember it as far back. But they'd say, you'd always say, I'm a preacher. I'm a preacher. What I was trying to say was that I'm going to be a preacher. I'm a preacher. You know, they didn't ask me what you're going to be when you grow up. And then I can remember, you know, just as a boy, just very small, four years old, three and a half years old, four years old, four and a half years old, five years old, I used to get out in Grandpa's garden and preach to the cabbage heads. 
Man, I'd just preach up and down, you know. Those rows, he'd have at least two rows of cabbage. Rows pretty long, you see. But Granny would put up cabbage every way you could put it up, you know, in those days. People did a lot of canning. We didn't have beef preaching. And so I, I, I would preach to those cabbage heads. I about decided I've got a few cabbage heads here today I'm preaching to. <laughs> Amen. Now, the reason I said that is for this simple reason. That, you know, I'd preach to those cabbage heads, and I don't know what I said, but I said something. I'd just preach up a storm, and, and they never would even change the expression. <laughs> well, I know now you're not a cabbage. Just then I saw somebody never change the expression during this whole meeting until I said that. So I know you're not a cabbage head, so, because I saw you change your expression. How many preachers we got here? Well, I'm sure that sometimes you thought you was preaching to cabbage heads, didn't you? You know, those cabbage heads never said amen one single time. They never changed the expression, just, just, just the same. And so I'd get tired preaching to the cabbage heads, and then I'd go over and preach to the bean vines a while. And then in the wintertime, when it was cold, it didn't have any garden, I'd go down to the barn, climb up in the loft, and preach to the bales of hay. And, and so, you know, if that calling's there, it's just there. Amen. Praise God. And you just might as well go ahead and respond to it and obey it. And then you're better off and, and everybody will be better off as far as that's concerned. Well, I know this much. That just because the calling of God is upon our spirits. We may not be able to differentiate at the moment just exactly what that calling is. Or what some phase of the ministry that God wants us to be in. We may obey the call but then miss it because we drop back into the natural and just do something that somebody else is doing. Say, well, if I'm, gonna, if I'm called, I'd like to be a pastor. Well, that's well and good if God calls you to pastor. But you know, the last church that I pastored, I had every reason in the world to be satisfied because really it was the best church that I had pastored in 12 years of pastoral work. And, and it was... Uh, I had the most money I ever had. I had the best pastors to live in that I'd, I'd lived in. We were the most comfortable physically and naturally speaking. And spiritually speaking, the church was doing all right because we had a history of the church. And I went back and went over the records. Our Sunday school was larger than it ever been in the history of the church. Our finances were larger than it had ever been in the history of the church. The crowds were coming. The building was comfortably filled and people were being saved all along and filled with the spirit and healed but I was dissatisfied on the inside of me and so I remember I just simply shut myself up in my church and would pray and wait on God sometimes for several days at the time I'd say to my wife now, now don't you disturb me our children were in school we were on schedule I know when the meals are prepared and if I don't come out to eat well don't send the children out there you just know I'm not eating if some of the deacons come by, well, you just tell them I don't want to be disturbed. Only disturb me in the case of emergency. And I'd spend the hours and sometimes days, never over three days at the time, of praying and fasting and waiting upon God. I've never fasted in my life over three days at a time. Now, someone asked me, he said, you believe in a long fast? Well, I said, I guess it'd be all right if it's necessary. But uh, you ought to have something that you're praying about and seeking God about, not just be doing something because somebody said do it or somebody else did it. And I always got my answer someday the first day, never over three days. And so when I get my answer, well, then I stop because I've got whatever I went after, you see. 
And so on, the, the Lord spoke to me as I waited before him, as I walked up and down the, the, the aisles of the sanctuary of my church and prayed, as I read the Bible around the altar and waited on my knees. The Lord said to me, as I was talking to him one day, about what, what is this dissatisfaction in my spirit? From the natural standpoint, I've ever reasoned the world to be satisfied. And I enumerated to him what I've said to you. But uh, why is on the inside of me I'm dissatisfied? And just as plain as somebody speaking to you, it was all in here, not out here, but on the inside of me in my spirit, not inward voice. He said the reason is I never did call you to pastor to begin with. Well, I said, Lord, that's why I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you, you see, just to find out what you want to do. He said, no, you're not waiting on me. I've been waiting on you for 10 years. <laughs> you know, sometimes we think we're waiting on God, and really he's waiting on us. He's waiting on us to make the consecration. He's waiting on us to make the dedication that he wants us to make. And you know, the Lord took me back to some things that he had said to me 10 years before and said, what are you going to do about that? And I talked to the Lord just like I talked to anybody else. I had a fellow one time with me in, in meetings back in the early days of the, uh, of, the, of the healing revival here in America. We were holding a meeting in a certain city, in the city auditorium, some larger meetings, and he was the campaign director. And, and I overheard him saying to somebody, he said, you know that fellow Hagin prays the funnest of anybody ever heard in my lifetime. He said he'll talk just like he's holding a conversation. And he'll listen, he'll talk, and he'll listen. And he said, I, I started to his room and I heard him talk and I thought somebody's in the room. So I stood at the door and listened and said he'd talk for a while and he'd answer yes and no and then he'd talk and said, I never did hear anybody else talking to him. I thought, well, he's bound to be talking to somebody because he's having a conversation. So he said, I opened the door and peeped in. He's sitting in the middle of the floor with his eyes shut talking to the Lord. I said, well, the Lord is more real to me than anybody I know anyhow. I shouldn't have a conversation with him. Praise the Lord. And so I just talked to him just as plain as I do anybody. He said to me, what are you going to do about what I said to you 10 years ago? I said, Lord, I wasn't really planning on doing anything about that. He said, well, you're going to have to or else. I said, well, I believe I will. <laughs> Amen. I believe I'll just do something about that. Praise God. And so as I waited before the Lord... I had the leading in my own spirit because he had said to me, I never did call you to pastor to begin with. So then I thought my limited reasoning and limited Bible knowledge at the moment of 1947, I thought that you're either a pastor or evangelist and that was the extent of ministry. So therefore he wants me to be an evangelist without asking any further questions. I just got ready to go out on the evangelistic field. So I went out on the evangelistic field holding revival meetings, preaching revival sermons, evangelistic type sermons. And the Lord kept dealing with me to teach. Now I said, Lord, you're going to get me in trouble just to show us the world. <laughs> they didn't know anybody wanted somebody to come to hold a teaching meeting in the church. They've got Sunday school teachers in the church. They want you to hold revival meetings, you know. And I couldn't get any meetings if I just taught. And I wrestled with that thing. I'll tell you sometimes at 2 and 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning, I'd be walking the church sanctuary aisles of praying, you know, and talking to God about it and, and couldn't get any satisfaction. Finally, I was holding a meeting in January of 1950 down in East Texas. 
Welcome to Rama for Today with Kenneth and Lynette Hagen. You can find more great materials by Kenneth E. Hagen, Pastor Hagen, and the rest of the Hagen family by visiting our online bookstore. Right now, I'd like to tell you about this month's special radio offer. This offer begins with the two-CD set from Kenneth E. Hagen entitled "Hold Fast to the Word." Also from Kenneth Hagen, the four-CD set. Man's impossibility, God's possibility. All this for the special price of twenty-five dollars. That's seventeen dollars off the retail price. Call toll-free one eight 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 Faith ninety nine. Again, call toll-free one eight 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 Faith ninety nine. You can also order online at Rama dot org. That's R H E M A dot O R G. Rama. Or if you prefer to write to Kenneth Hagen Ministries, our address is P.O. Box five zero one two six, Tulsa, Oklahoma, seven four one five zero. We always love to hear from our listeners, so write in or email us today and become a part of Rama for Today. Right now, let's join Kenneth and Lynette Hagen. Well, guess what happens on November the twenty-fifth here on the Rama campus? What happens? The Christmas lights come on. Oh, that's right. That's <laughs> it's right. A beautiful sight. Yes. And you know those Christmas lights will remain on until January the through January the first, twenty twenty-one. Can you believe that? Twenty twenty-one. Yeah, when they go off about eleven o'clock on January the first, twenty twenty-one. Yes. They're off. That's <laughs> and right. And then they start taking them down. That's right. <laughs> You know, and I'm especially proud of this year because one of our grandsons is in charge of the Christmas lights. He's in lights. charge of putting, getting the Christmas lights put up. Yes. And he's doing a great he job. He is doing an awesome, awesome, awesome job. Awesome job. Awesome job. Call 1-888-FAITH-99. That's toll free. 1-888-FAITH-99. Tomorrow, Kenneth E. Hagen will continue his message on how to increase your spiritual effectiveness. That's tomorrow on Rema for Today with Kenneth and Lynette Hagen.